Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, bringing you backstage and behind the scenes with the stars, creators, and industry leaders making theater in new ways during the pandemic. I'm your host, Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I'm talking with two of the artists behind a new initiative that sees two companies, one in Milwaukee and one in New York, teaming up for an upcoming slate of work that brings theater talent to new forms, including a movie, a web series, an audio play, a documentary, and more. The New Group Offstage is the COVID-era innovation from the off-Broadway company The New Group, presented in association with Milwaukee's No Studios, incorporating everything from Waiting for Godot with Ethan Hawke and John Leguizamo, to an episodic web series by playwright Donye R. Love, a new musical starring Brandon Victor Dixon, a Chekhov-inspired mockumentary starring Edie Falco, and the latest outing starring drag character Lipsinka, directed by Chloe Sevigny. Joining me today to talk about the season are the founder of No Studios, John Ridley, also the Oscar-winning screenwriter of 12 Years a Slave, and longtime new group artistic director, Scott Elliott. Hi, John and Scott. Thanks for joining me. Hey, Gordon. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Hey, Gordon. Before we talk about the work that the two of you have coming up together, I wonder if we could first start talking about the companies that the two of you are here representing. John, I wonder if we could start with you, just because I know a lot of people will know your work from 12 Years a Slave or American Crime, but they um, don't know as much about, well, to start, how much has theater been a part of uh, what you do before this? (laughs) Um, None. Before I did this, Um, and a lot of that, you know, I think there are two stories, and I'll I'll start with the first part, and I'll just talk a little bit about the organization that we have. So I'm originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is, um, Milwaukee is a, it's a, it's a great city, city of my birth. My parents still live there. Our younger sister lives there with her family. Um, The tragedy of Milwaukee is that by real metrics, not by opinion or feeling, it is perhaps the most segregated city in America. Um, just not uh, a lot of integration between blacks and whites. Um, just a real sense, even where redlining no longer exists, that just certain folks, you know, are, are certain demographics belong in one part of town, another demographic in another part of town, and not a lot of mixing. So um, subsequent to 12 Years a Slave, obviously that was a, 
at least at that time, a very high watermark professionally speaking. And my older sister, Lisa, who's worked in business and finance for years, decades, approached me and said, you know, this is a great moment professionally for me, but what do you do with it? Um, it, it's a great moment that is replicated year after year. And unless you're Meryl Streep or Denzel Washington, you know, it's kind of a one and done in your life. And she really pushed me to try to do something that was encompassed what I do, which is work in the arts, but is really pro-positive and was built on the concept of trying to bring people together around the communal experience. And one that you have in film when you go out to the theater or in dance when you go to a, a dance uh, performance or, or certainly theater. And um, we've had good success. You know, we, we cannot obviously alone change everything that's happening in Milwaukee, but as, as a business and as an organization that is pro-positive, even with the pandemic, and, and in, in some ways, in spite or despite the pandemic, we've really been able to thrive. So, so there was that, an organization built on bringing communities together and, and really elevating, in particular, artists from um, traditionally marginalized backgrounds. Right. And then and this the is second no party, studios we're talking about. Sorry, we, I don't that, know if we said yes, the name of the studios I, yet. It's I, called I did No not Studios. Say the name of it. Yeah. But yes, that's what evolved conceptually became No Studios, which has a, a physical presence and was meant to have a physical presence in Milwaukee. But with the pandemic, yeah. um, like so many people, we started to pivot to online. And as painful and as, as tragic as the pandemic has been, and, and there are no two ways about it. But within that, um, we were actually surprisingly able to thrive hmm. and um, create a platform for people who um, did not have access to platforms, did not have access to money or the tools or the infrastructure. And again, even in a very challenging and, and frankly, heartbreaking situation, we've been able to serve the communities that we wanted to serve. So in that, knowing what our mission was and knowing how our mission evolved, you know, uh, to the second part of your question, how much theater have I been involved with in my life? And that, you know, has essentially been none mm. other than the opportunity to meet Scott. And that's a whole other, much longer story. Yeah, but we'll I will just say shortly, very quickly, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, prior to, however other people may think of me in terms of um, professional success, you know, Scott made a bet on me and made a bet on a piece of material that was very close to my heart and close to my heart because of um, its artistry, because of the potency that it dealt with issues of race, of the, the humor, of the biting satire, which just, you know, year by year, you know, people, their capacities for satire just diminish. And I'm talking, you know, artistic, intelligent, thoughtful people are just like, oh, you can't, you know, let's not talk about that. We can't talk about it in those ways. Well, Scott was not that guy. So that was my introduction to theater. That was my introduction to a particular individual and the kind of individual that Scott represents who just remains fearless and art is about art mm -hmm. and reaching people is about reaching people and not provoking people for the sake of provoking people. Oh, we're just going to say things to, you know, anger people. But Scott is, you know, one of those people who believes in art and believes that art has to push boundaries hmm. and has to inspire and has to upset and has to disrupt a little bit, certainly has to entertain. But if that's all you're doing is entertaining, you know, um, you know, bears on bicycles are entertaining, right. um, <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily, you know, move things around. So Scott had, and this 
we'll, we'll feed back into to what we're talking about together. But Scott had already started working on these really interesting, challenging, you know, moderately budgeted um, experimental pieces of art that he wanted to try to platform. And he was just talking about it one day. He wasn't pitching me. It wasn't like, oh, looking for partners. I'm looking for folks to underwrite. But to me, knowing Scott, knowing his capacities, knowing what he wanted to accomplish as a uh, presenter of really unique art, I, I was just like, how can I be involved? How can I help with the bet that you placed on me, bet on you, and then you bet on other interesting artists? And that's how No Studios and the new group sort of came together with this idea of can we support small, moderately budgeted projects with either established artists who will potentially draw an audience or emerging audience, emerging artists who deserve to have their works supported. Mm. And that's what we're trying to do with our, our collaboration. Right. And so Whereas no studios launched what a couple years ago, twenty eighteen. Yeah, we're only yeah. yeah two years. It was two years last October, so right. October of of twenty twenty was two years. So yes, October yeah. of twenty eighteen. Right. Yeah. So whereas no studios has been around for just a couple of years, Scott, uh, the new group has been around for uh, is it twenty five now? Is that what it is? Twenty five years, yeah. Gordon. Twenty five yeah. years. Yeah. Um, tell been us, around. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about for people who uh, aren't familiar with the new group. What uh, what does the new group do and uh, how are you? Well, you know, up until this pandemic, we've been a nonprofit theater company and we've been producing, as you know, plays for 25 years and have always, uh, you know, we're an artist based company. We're artist driven. You know, I'm an artist and all the people that we have in, you know, we, we, we like to empower people to be able to do the work that they want to do. Um, within the confines of our, our little home, our little place. And uh, yeah. And then, you know, when the pandemic hit, uh, you know, it just became about like, how do we continue to do what we're doing, but, you know, quite possibly in a different way. And so, you know, luckily I have some friends who were encouraging me to sort of, you know, branch out and, and experiment with different things. And so, you know, we came up with this new arm of the company called the New Group Offstage. I mean, I really think now it should be called the New Group Studios because it really is. Uh, we're making films, you know, these little films. Mm. But um, I mean, I call them little, but they're they're not really little. They're I don't know. They, they it just keeps you know every day is a, a different journey because it is new and it almost feels like you know when I started the company twenty five years ago and we were doing our first plays, it sort of has the same sort of energy and excitement. And uh, except right now you know, I'm much more connected. So I'm able to get people like John Ridley and, you know, uh, you know, Frank Marshall has joined us, you know, right. as an executive producer and, you know, just the sort of talent that has sort of come around to sort of be involved in it. And, um, and it's really the talent, it's really the artists who encouraged me to, uh, you know, branch out to, to explore and figure out a way to turn, turn this uh, disaster into a positive. And, um, you know, and John and I have been working, as you probably know, on a, a, a show, as he had said, uh, Black No More. And yeah. we've been working on it for several years and we've become quite quite close as a result of it, um, <laughs> as as you can when you're working on these sorts of things. Um, how, long, sorry, and, how long have you uh, have you both been working on that project? Oh my five God. years. Okay. Yeah, five years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it 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 it, it would have 
been closed by now, you know, because it was supposed <laughs> to go up last. Right. It was supposed right. to go up last fall. Right. Uh, you know, it's going to be our first sort of big show out of the box when we're able to sort of do that again. Um, Scott but, just you know, loves working with me so much he refuses to put the show up because he never wants it to close. Uh, yeah. Well, that's exactly right, John. Well, now I have you on this stuff, so <laughs> there's no, you know, you're, there's no escaping you. But you know, it really, it really, it really was. Uh, it was so. It really, I have to say, it sounds corny, but it was so heartwarming when John, um, you know, said, "Look, I want to be involved with this stuff." That he was, you know, he was inspired to sort of come on, and he's come on, you know both as an ally and as a financier for these projects. And, um, and that gave me a lot of confidence. It's just like these sorts of things. Cause you know, when you're doing something new, like you're going, you know, you're, you're shifting focus for a while from a theater company to a theater company who produces films that are sort of, you know, theater based, but they're right. films, they're not theater. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it, it isn't theater. There's nothing about it. That's theater. Um, other than, some of the topics, you know, and some of the pieces that we're working on, but they're really films. Yeah. And, um, and to have the support of John and Frank and some other friends who have just, um, you know, sort of helped me keep the engine going and help, help give me the boost of confidence that I needed to sort of try this. And it is a grand experiment. It's, a, it's quite a grand experiment. But, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, these projects will roll out for the next year and a half or so, and we'll see how it goes. Right. Well, let's talk about uh, one of the first ones that uh, you have coming up, uh, which is this, the one that's about to go into production, it sounds like, is this Waiting for Godot that you have, uh, that you're working on. Tell us a little bit about that and yeah, what I'll that will look like. Oh, yeah, I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. Yeah, so, um, you know, back in July, before I was even thinking of um, of doing this, or I was trying to think of, like, what the hell was I going to do, hmm. um, you know, Ethan Hawke called me up and he was like, look. Who you've worked with many times before, we should say. Yeah, yeah, we've worked together. We're we're, we're brothers, and so we uh, we you know he called me up and he was like you know because he's also on the board of the of my theater company and he's you know he's quite protective of me and he called me up and said uh, read Waiting for Godot and I was like Waiting for Godot like I was like really and he was like yeah just read it so I read it and I had an experience when I was when and when I read it in the moment obviously you know uh, I wasn't at my home we we went away for the summer to sort of get out of New York for a while and. It was very lonely and weird, and um, and I read it, and it struck me in such a way that I had never I had never understood the play the way I understood it in this moment. And so Ethan and I were talking about like what should we do, and we were thinking about it, and then we asked John like Wizamo to come on board, and this was back in July, and we started to read it, you know, uh, and then we added Tariq Trotter and Wally Sean, and we just kept reading it and working on it and thinking about it, and then when this notion about you know, what are we going to do came up, I thought, well, maybe we should try to make a film of Waiting for Godot and see what happens, you know. But then, of course, you know, I realized that, you know, the Beckett estate, they're pretty challenging and they don't they don't really allow it. And I guess I, I believe that in in the will, it says no films. But because of this, uh, this moment in time, they allowed us to do it. And so I figured that there was something about about that and all the people that came around that sort of inspired me to do it. And so it's crazy uh, we're starting, we're going to film it starting on February 4th, but we're doing it, you know, based on, you know, this particular moment in time, because the play really does work at this particular moment in time. It, it works with people not together. It's because there's so much about the play that's about isolation and it has all those post-apocalyptic themes in it and loneliness and waiting for nothing or waiting for something. Um, and it just sort of all made sense. And so what we're doing is where, uh, well, 
uh, Derek McLean has designed sets for everybody's home. They're being installed in people's homes beginning actually Monday. Uh, you know, we have an incredible cinematographer, Kramer Morgenthau, who's a, a brilliant, um, you know, great cinematographer and great editor. And this sort of an A-list team has come together around it. And uh, yeah, we're going to be filming it and everybody is separate, but it's not meant to, it's meant to be separate. It's not going to have any sort of thing where, you know, they're trying to make it seem like people are together, but it's really about people connecting in sort of this way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're doing it with, you know, we're not, it's not, it's, it, it's sort of like we talk about it like Zoom is its world, but we're not shooting it like Zoom. We're shooting it with like, you know, the best cameras and the best technical stuff. And so it's it's going to be this film and it's going to and it's been it's been really exciting. I have to say, I don't want to jinx it, but it's been one of those things that sort of gotten me through uh, just emotionally, you know, being able to sort of meet with my friends, work on this interesting play um, that I have grown to love. I mean, when I first, when Ethan first called me up, I was like, I, I never saw myself directing Beckett. It just didn't seem in my world. But then when I got into it, I was so into it. And it just spoke to me in so many personal ways. And um, so that's how we're doing it. It sounds crazy, but I think it might be sort of interesting. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah. And how, uh, John, how are you involved in in things like this and, and the other shows? Are you sort of a consulting producer or what? what's the, um, how do you two talk to each other as these projects are going on? Yeah, you know, I mean, ultimately I, I really want to be involved in every way that is, in, in whatever way is most helpful mm. to these projects, you know, independently. So as Scott right. mentioned, you know, I, I came in and, and, and um, wanted to support financially Mm. which is always, ironically, the easiest thing to do sometimes <laughs> is to write a check, right. whether in art or politics. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes it's just uh, good advice or, yeah. or hopefully good advice or counsel, you know, having done films, having worked around budgets. Right. Sometimes it's connecting Scott with people to look at a budget or come up with mm. um, some kind of a template that he could work with. Um, for me, it's really an opportunity to support at a slightly larger level you know it's not like i can go into a studio in hollywood and say oh i want to you know support one of your films you know whatever i could possibly give to a 200 million dollar movie is not going to make much difference um i certainly don't have anything to educate people in hollywood about um most of them know what they're doing and they're very capable people so to me what's really exciting about this is because everything that scott is doing is just a little bit different it's not any one thing in particular and everything needs sort of a particular, it's kind of a mission impossible skill set. You need the one person who's good at that and the one person who's good at that. That's right. That's a good way of putting it. Good at that. Um, you know, you come together and it's like, well, I don't know this or this, but I'm really good at that. And you get four or five people together and all of a sudden, well, you, you can do these kinds of things. And I think the other thing is that very sincerely, there's a different kind of open mindedness that's required. And for me, what's exciting about it is taking a lot of the very pro forma ways of um, of engaging in entertainment that you do in Hollywood. You know, if, even in the world of streaming and the modern world, it's still, you know, Netflix is no longer an experimental company or, you know, right. HBO, they do great work. And yes, they take chances, but, you know, a, a chance at HBO is still different than the kind of chances that Scott is going to take or that one could take at a particular price point. And knowing that 
Right. You know, you don't have to get millions of people to watch something, but with Ethan and Wally Sean and, and, and Tariq, you're going to get an eclectic group of people to watch that show. And if it's 150 or 200, yes, if that's a multi-million dollar production, that's a disaster. But mm -hmm. at a very streamlined production to get people to watch it or to get people later to go, oh my God, I saw this really weird, interesting version of Godot and it's up on this site and maybe they watch it a month from now, maybe they watch it three months from now. Um, that kind of carry through has a, a different quality than, you know, yes, Netflix, those programs will be up for months and years, but they, they want, you know, their metric is still tied to, you know, plus threes or plus sevens or, or how much buzz can we get in a, in a relatively short window? So it, it, it's just, again, kind of going back to what art is, you know, aspirationally all about, which is just a bunch of really crazy people trying some crazy stuff. And <laughs> I'm, you know, for me, the, to be able to support that in any way, shape or form has real, you know, significant value for me at this point where, you know, I love what I do. I love working for big companies, but you know, it's, there's a sameness to it. And I don't want to say I'm bored with that because I'm very fortunate to work in that space. But, you know, if you don't feel like you could fall off a high wire, you know, what are you really doing? Mm. Um, and this feels like a little high wire-ish. You know, maybe it's only five feet off the ground and you're not going <laughs> to break your legs. But it's still like, yeah, we're doing something different. And I really appreciate the opportunity to try to do things that are not standard and, yeah. and to be able to do them with Scott and the artist that he knows. And he knows really, really interesting, yeah. committed artists. I'll have more with John and Scott right after the break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now, here's more with John Ridley and Scott Elliott. John, you mentioned price point, which brings up the idea of how how will people watch these this show, you know, Waiting for Godot, I'm going to call it a show because it's a play in my head. Um, yeah. how, do, how will people watch that project and how will... and like, how will they access all these projects on the new group offstage uh, slate? Oh, there, it's going to be um, on our new group offstage uh, page on our website. It's going to be accessed. And, um, and you can access it, I mean. And, um, you know, and project by project, I don't know. They're all going to, they, you know, they might take on different, on different, um, 
you know, different types of distribution. In the case of Godot, it's our first one. So I'm pretty protective of it in a way. And I want to make sure that um, it gets out there in a way that we want it to get out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, maybe we'll do one down the road that we'll put on some other site. You know, um, I think it all just depends. I mean, we have this one big project that we're working on. Uh, this was sort of what I did for love. It's called, it's like a documentary and a film, and that's a very big project. And so that's going to be, you know, funded in a more Hollywood sort of style. And, uh, and that project is, you know, bigger than all of the other projects. And so that's going to have a different sort of distribution. And so I guess that like, as experiments go, I'm taking it a, you know, a day at a time and just sort of seeing like what happens, how it goes. It's pretty exciting to think about it that way after producing seasonal theater for 25 years, it's a very, very different and sort of it's refreshing and it's gotten me, it's kept me, I don't know, afloat emotionally, just Mm -hmm. that notion of, you know, every day it's like different, it's a different problem. It's a different excitement. It's a different person Mm -hmm. coming around it. It just, it, it, it's quite joyful. And so, um, so anyway, so that's how people can watch Godot. Right. They can watch it on our website. And will uh, that be pay-per-view or? Yes, uh, it'll be pay-per-view. Okay. Yes. I mean, we are selling we are selling these things called access, you know, backstage or I don't remember what it's called, access passes. Right. We're selling yeah. them so you can buy for a very, you know, for a quite a, a small fee, uh, mm-hmm. all of the projects that we're doing, you you'll, you could have access to them. And we're right. sort of um, uh, working, you know, we're working on, uh, on that and how that is all going to work. But yes, you can watch Waiting for Godot just by buying it, you know, a one shot thing. Right. Yeah. And I imagine that, uh, you, you know, you have a community of subscribers who've been following your theater for years and years that you can, uh, yeah, I mean, yes, the access that's like for the access passes, but you know, interestingly enough, I'm finding that like, you know, the subscription model seems like it might be, I don't know. Um, and maybe this is a time for us to sort of look at that and figure out how do we make, I mean, one of the things, and John sort of touched on this, but one of the, one of the goals of, of these projects is to sort of make it accessible, you know, to make it more accessible for people and, you know, uh, to make theater more accessible. Like I'm hoping that people around the world will watch Waiting for Godot. Um, and that when they come into New York, they might be interested in checking out one of our shows live, you know, like I'm, ho- I'm trying to figure out a way to sort of you know, to do good, to, to do good for the company, to do good for John's company, to sort of do good, you know, and to just make it, make, make people happy, I guess you could say, you know, in, in some, in some way to sort of, you know, making, by making it accessible or by making this sort of work accessible. Yeah. And uh, John, I imagine there's a community around no studios who you can sort of talk about this work with and kind of spread the, spread the word with. Yeah, we've been very fortunate. I mean, we've really been able to build a, a significant online community. And part of that is is largely uh, not just in Milwaukee, mm. where which is, you know, our focus, but in this shift to more online and streaming, again, that everybody is, is, is doing. And I'm just talking about a very fundamental space like like we're talking right now on on right. A, 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 a small um, prosumer digital platform, right, where now we work in conjunction with um, universities, we work with nonprofits, you know, there were so many organizations out there that are looking for content that don't necessarily have the capacity to build out content on a regular basis, but want to be involved in art in conversations. You know, one of the things with no studios, uh, again, and being very pro positive and very community oriented, you know, we do things like social justice summits, we do things like um, community and policing 
and real conversations, not just proselytizing, not just, you know, straight up advocacy, but how do we engage people and how do we have these conversations? And we really look for, and I hate to use the word because I feel like it's one of those, you know, I know every word is invented, but this is a word, you know, the intersectionality, you know, you, you take a very mundane word and you add a couple yeah, of syllables. Yeah, the add syllables and all of a sudden it's like you've come up with this incredible philosophy. But, you know, where, do, where does art and advocacy, um, art and community, where do they intersect? And in those spaces, um, you, you, one would be surprised how many people or how many organizations have a real interest, but don't have either the time, don't want to spend the money, can't spend the money, um, in, in some ways uh, are, are, are nonprofits. Every dollar that they raise, they have to be very careful about where it goes. So to just have this confidence, and for us, you know, like everybody else, it ends up being more about eyeballs and metrics early on than um, profits per se. And every one of these things that we create, you know, we own at the end of the day. So you may start out with 10 or 15 things that are 20 minutes or half hour or uh, at, a, at a certain baseline in terms of production qualities or the abilities to produce them. But suddenly, you know, you end up with 15 or 20 different things that are of interest and you can have them. And again, you know, Ethan Hawke, uh, Tariq, Wallace together you know, uh, to, to, to have... Uh, you keep leaving out John Leguizamo. Don't let go I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, don't mean to leave out John, John Leguizamo. <laughs> He's one of the leads. You're, yeah. you're doing something with uh, Chloe Sevigny. Right. You know, the, these are all of a sudden people where, where uh, folks, are, they, they have a certain marquee value. And when they're doing interesting things, I do believe that there are people who are going to tune in and watch. But again, at this price point, for me, it, it really is about an investment in Scott and a larger investment in communities. So it's not like we got to come out of the gate in something like um, Quibi, and I don't mean to, 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 to you know, get on <laughs> Rest them. Rest in peace. Quibi. Rest yeah. in peace, but you come yeah. out where you, you've, you know, you've gotten people to invest billions with a B of dollars. Mm. You're paying top talent, you know, hundreds of millions, uh, but there's not really, you know, there, there's no room for error as we see. And again, I'm not picking on the folks who got into it, it, right. it certainly, you know, they could raise the money. They um, have resumes that are deep in success. They have an idea that had, you know, it, it had a differentiating factor. So they had as good a shot as anybody. But at that price point and at that burn through, you know, the margin for error, as we saw, was 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 tight, right. was tight. And this, you know, it's not really a margin for error because it's we're just we're doing stuff. Yeah, we're, that's all we're doing is stuff. And, you know, I'm not giving anything away. I mean, I am giving something away by saying, you know, we're also talking about possibly starting our own streaming service or an art streaming service where, where, our, where our work can live and we can control it. Like that's, that's really a, you know, sort of a thing that I think John and I both hold dear is being able yeah. to sort of control our work. And yeah. yeah. And in terms of these projects in this first, uh, let's call it a season for a new group off stage, how did these projects evolve? Were any of these things that you were thinking about uh, for the stage uh, and then the pandemic made impossible and they shifted or uh, like well, since you got um, a web series that I imagine started as a web, like the idea was to write it as a web series. 
What yeah, no, um, I would say that we were going to do the seagull on stage, Thomas Bradshaw's The Seagull on stage. Right. Which is what but, I did for love, yeah. Yeah, that's become a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, and then there's a piece that we're doing um, that's an audio play, Bernard's mm -hmm. Daughter, right. that we're going to be doing with, uh, like, for instance, I made it, we made a deal with Audible on that. And so, right. you know, and so because they have a really great way of sort of getting that sort of work out and, right. and also... Um, you know, uh, you know, that it's just not, it's just not normally what we do, but, um, you know, like, and, and by having partners like that, like Audible and John and Frank, and it just, it just helps, it just helps make the work, you know, blossom in different ways. It, it, it makes it, it makes a lot of it possible, you know, in ways that it seems sort of abstract to me, but no, I would say Godot, Lip Sync, uh, Richard Thomas's, uh, talk, uh, singing heads, uh, you know, they're all, they were all made for this. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it was like, I called a bunch of people that I, Adonye loves web series. Right. Um, no, I called everybody these, uh, you know, a group of people that I thought, you know, would be interested in, in possibly going on an experimental journey because of course it is an experiment, you know, and you have to have a certain personality to be able to go on an experimental journey like this. Right. And I just sort of said like, let's, you know, you know, would you be interested in participating in this? And everybody said yes, which was exciting. And really a lot of the pieces, you know, and this piece, the dinner that we're working on uh, with uh, Warren Adams and, and uh, Brandon, uh, Victor Dixon, you know, um, that's a that that was birthed out of the uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, you know. Um, that that's another sort of interesting experiment, and in that essentially, um, I told Brandon and Warren that, and uh, and another uh, producer, Sharifa Ali, that essentially they 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 are taking over my job for that project. In essence, you're coming into the new group. The new group is I'm making the new group accessible to you. I'm making everybody at the new group our funding accessible to you, and you make your thing. And so. They all have uh, different sort of points of view that are sort of, in a way, responding to this moment. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you uh, how do you both imagine the things you have learned and the things you are doing in this time carrying over to a time when things are back to normal? When, for instance, we can all go see a new group play in a theater again, or uh, you know, John, you've got no studios is back in its facility and all that stuff. What, how do you, how do you think of what you're learning now as, uh, things that you will carry on from, from beyond this? John, go. Um, okay. <laughs> I'll go after you. I, you know, for me, I, I really hope that we can find ways to, I, I don't want the communal experience to go away. And that's, I think a lot of fear for, for many people is that emerging artists, the emerging arts groups, you know, it, it, can they make it through this pandemic? We don't know how long it will be before people legitimately feel safe to be in, you know, just even sizable groups. You know, uh, you think about, you know, small theater back in the day, 99 seats, you know, would, would any of us feel safe being in a 99 seat theater? And, you know, theater, unfortunately, a lot of the, the folk, right? I shouldn't say unfortunate. Well, unfortunately, in the sense that I, I, I wish everybody went to more theater, but a lot of it is driven by older individuals who, who go and, and are they going to feel safe? So right. my hope is that when the communal experience returns, um, first and foremost, I hope that it does, that what we do doesn't um, supplant the communal experience, but it enhances it. So that if there are um, plays or shows or things that we do live, 
particularly at no studios, that we have a better capacity to capture those experiences, to archive those experiences, mm -hmm. to add to those experiences. The same way in a great Criterion disc, um, you know, you, you get the interviews, you get the um, deconstructions of things that were going, you know, anatomies of a scene or things like that. Um, can we have conversations with some of the artists? You know, one of the things that we do in uh, at No Studios is we have a dance fest, or we did have a dance fest. Um, I love seeing dance in any form, but seeing it live is is just one of the greatest pleasures there is. But for the people who can't attend dance fest, can we do highlights? Can we do interviews? Can we do um, workshops and put those online for people to see them? So I hope with both what we do at No Studios and what we can do with um, No Studios and the new group is that we are finding ways to enhance live experiences rather than supplant live experiences because I more than anything I, I want to support and see and have us and have audiences return to the thrill and the excitement of, of being together with other people and how that enhances art because I really believe there's no substitute for enjoying art with others yeah yeah Thank I you. don't know how I can follow that John that was a really good answer I mean I will say I, I obviously John and I are aligned on all of these things, but uh, you know, I'm hoping that like that all of the work that we're doing on this new venture um, is going to continue in some way. That that it's not going to replace, like, but John says it will enhance. Like, quite quite possibly, we'll be able to figure out ways to sort of you know show our shows, even the live ones, um, to to other communities that can't access them. And um, and also, I really do think that there is something about the theater artists that we're working with in film right now that is it's exciting. It's it's giving people different opportunities. It's giving giving uh, artists a different way to stretch. Um, I mean, of course, waiting for Godot is a very strange experience because it, it is our pandemic Piece, you know, uh, these things are going to roll out through 2022. Right. You know, we're not, we're not, you know, I'm not in any rush. I, I want to take it slowly and do it right. And then at the end of when we, when we get through all of these projects, we'll look at it and say, you know, what did we learn? What, how could we do it better? And, uh, and my hope is that the new group live and the new group offstage will exist together. Right. Yeah. And speaking of waiting for Godot, what's the timeline for release on that? Do you know yet in terms of when you think it'll be completed and out there? Well, I'm hoping that it's going to be out in the world toward the end of April, beginning of May. Mm. If Great. it's done sooner, that's the cool thing. It's like, we don't have to wait for somebody to tell us when we can release it. Like, I want to make sure that it's done, that we have the opportunity to market it properly, you know, that we have the opportunity to get the word out so the most people can see it. And then I'm hoping end of April is what we're sort of shooting for right now. I mean, we just added some time. On, I didn't even tell John this onto our post for our <laughs> color, color correction and things like that, that, you know, a, a, everything's a budget question, but, you know, we, we really want it to be amazing, you know, and to look amazing. And so we've added some, a little bit of extra time onto our post. Um, but yeah, so I'm hoping end of April. Yeah. And uh, John, for both of you, what, uh, what about this uh, stage project that uh, you guys have been working on that, uh, that will be the first show out of the gate when you when you're all back in the theater. When well, when I mean, I sort of take that back. The first thing that we're going to be doing is the Fever Wally Shawn's 
piece. Oh, uh-huh. uh, yeah. yeah, that we're going to be doing. Uh, well, we're also we're doing that also with uh, the sponsorship of Audible at some point. Mm-hmm. But that's going to be, a, you know, uh, that's that's a piece that I think can live in a, uh, you know, in a in a pandemic world, even at, even quite possibly outdoors. Right. But but but, What's but a solo show, as, isn't it? It's a solo mm-hmm. show. Isn't mm-hmm. it a one person? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's solo show. Yeah. Um, and, and, and as far as black no more goes, um, I'm thinking that probably, um, the hope is that at this time next year, it will have just opened. Great. Right. I mean, that, I mean, it seems like that's the, that seems the, I mean, it seems, I don't want to do anything where obviously where we started and have to stop, you know, because right. that, that's of course a terrible thing. It's very expensive to do that as we know from London and all that sort of thing. But, right. um, but yeah, I'm imagining that quite possibly we'll see black no more starting previews right after new year's um, right. next year, if everything goes well, but right. I don't know. I don't, I don't have the vaccine yet, but uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, okay, last question, John. What working on this theater piece on Black No More? What what have you learned working on theater and in the form of theater that you are now uh, using in all the other work that you do on screen? I would say that I've probably uh, acquired a higher degree of appreciation for true collaboration, and um, you know, in in film and television. There's certainly a lot of collaboration, but it, it tends to be driven by, on the TV side, the, the writer, executive producer, showrunner, and on the film side, the director. And there's collaboration, but people really fold in around what the director wants in a film or what the showrunner wants on a, on a TV show. And in theater, the specificity of, 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 of folks' job requirements is, is just so high. You know, the... the choreographer is the choreographer and there's just no two ways about it and you know at least for me as a writer uh you know there's very little that i can comment on on the choreography a because we have an amazing choreographer but b because it's just it hits you emotionally and yeah you may have to trim or cut or you know you mean more dancing or less dancing but it, it it's just what the choreographer is doing is singular same with the music and what Tariq is doing. Same with what the ensemble is doing and just how they interact and where they interact and what they do. And certainly Scott, as a producer and a director, has a great understanding of that. But, you know, Scott is the latitude that he gives. You know, it's not like he comes in and in the morning, you know, dictates. It's got to be like this. It's got to be like that. You guys go back and fix it. It really is about sitting around and everyone being um, given... A, a, a certain amount of latitude within our spaces and, and a, a great deal of support, but but also the belief that we're adults and can work as a unit and, and support what we do best, but also understand what those other departments really need. Right. And that no one is, 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 is marginalized, no one is overly elevated, um, egos are in check, and that everybody is, wor- the star of the show is the show. You know, the actors, you know, different than a TV show, we respect them. We cannot do it without them, right. but they have almost as much equal weight as the ensemble, um, as, as the choreographer, as, as the writer. Um, you know, it, it's, it's very, there's very much a sense of equality, but a very much a sense of empowerment, very much a sense of respect for what everyone does. And it's just different than how things work in film, how things work in TV. In some ways, maybe it has to be different. 
But for me personally, going back to your question, um, the heart of your question is I have a greater sense of what can happen when you do allow for a little bit more freedom for all individuals, but also making sure that, you know, taking that back to film and television, that there's also that degree of respect. You know, they, they've, you know, not just I respect them, but they've got to respect everybody else and their abilities and how everyone functions as a whole creative unit. Yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing uh, collaborations from uh, both of you in the very near future, whatever you've got coming up, Waiting for Godot and beyond. Um, so thank you both. Thanks for thanks for talking to me. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Thanks, Scott. Thank Absolutely you, Gordon. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. That was John Ridley and Scott Elliott, two of the producers and creators of the upcoming new group offstage slate of work. If you like what you're hearing on this and other episodes of StageCraft, I'd really appreciate it if you took the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow our audience of folks who love theater as much as you and I do. Or tell a friend. You can find past episodes of StageCraft or subscribe on Apple Podcasts and on all the other pod places, including Spotify and on the Broadway Podcast Network, which is another great place to find more theater for your ears. I'll be back in two weeks with another new episode. Until then, find me on Twitter at GCoxVariety. Thanks for listening, and see you soon. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.